The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with going for five. Stocks looking to extend their recent win streak as the season of surging rates takes a brief break. Also, key for investors today will be the September inflation report and what it means for the Fed's next move. Then in Washington, House Republicans nominating their next speaker in a closed-door vote, but hurdles remain to get the entire party on board. Plus, a Birkin flop as shares of the German footwear maker lose out in the public market debut. And then later in the show, UAW strikes forward once again, this time at its most profitable U.S. factory. It is Thursday, October the 12th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this day. As always, we kick off the hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. You can see right here in the green across the board, the Dow looks like it would open up about 100 points higher. The S&P and the Nasdaq both up just about a quarter of a percent in the pre-market. As always, we say it's early. The Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq currently riding a four-session win streak for the first time since August and are ahead up all of them more than 1% this week. Helping to drive some of those gains are big tech. Having an even bigger October, take a look right here. Meta sitting at a 22-month high, up more than 9% since the first. Alphabet sitting at an 18-month high. You can see right here, up almost 8%. We're looking at NVIDIA, Tesla, and Apple, all of them up so far this month. You can see Apple up 5.3%, kind of shaking off some of that pressure that we saw the stock under in recent weeks. But all this could change well, as soon as today, as investors await today's September CPI report. So economists are expecting prices to have risen 3.6% year over year, a slight decline from last month. So excluding food and energy, that's also known as core CPI, economists are expecting a 4.3% uh, gain um, year on year, also slightly down from last month. So ahead of that, we're checking the bond market with yields still off their recent highs. Take a look. We always begin with the benchmark 10-year at 456 down almost about 25 basis points from its recent high. Uh, same, similar story for the, the long bond, the 30-year bond, down just about 25 basis points as well. Remember, this is really important. It's a read on investor confidence and also inflation expectations. And we want to take a look at the energy market this morning. As always, we begin with WTI, the U.S. benchmark, right now sitting at 84.08 a barrel, up just about three-quarters of a percent right now. Brent crude at 86.65, up almost 1%. And today, natural gas actually in the red, down more than 1%. That's your setup for the U.S. markets. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning to you all. Talks between Hollywood studios and negotiators for the SAG after actors union are officially suspended. This after the union presented its most recent proposal Wednesday, won the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which is representing the studio, says, quote, 
would cost more than $800 million a year and create an untenable economic burden. The actors walked off the job on July 14th, demanding higher base wages, residual pay from streaming, and restrictions on the use of artificial intelligence. Sticking with strikes, the United Auto Workers just expanded its U.S. strike in an unexpected move late yesterday. About 8,700 union workers walked off the job at a Ford plant in Louisville, Kentucky. That's Ford's largest and one that generates about $25 billion in revenue each year, producing Super Duty pickup trucks, Ford Expeditions, and Lincoln Navigators. Ford is calling the move grossly irresponsible but unsurprising. And watching shares of Birkenstock ahead of the open. The stock is down about, let's see, less than, not about half a percent up. Uh, in pre-market. Um, now, Birkenstock making its public market debut on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday at $41 a share before falling more than 12% on the day. The stock's opening price was already lower than its initial IPO price of $46 a share, which was in the middle of its expected range, Frank. Yeah, it's been a difficult time for these IPOs. It's kind of curious with this one. There's a lot of excitement around there this There really one. was, yeah. Everyone was very excited for it, but today's another day. We'll see what happens. We absolutely will. Sabana, we'll see you later in the show. Thanks, Thank you. All right, turn our attention now back to the broader markets. It was one year ago today, the S&P 500, it bottomed out, closing at 35.77. Since then, it's been off to the races with the index bouncing 22%. But the gains, as noted by our Bob Pisani, they've been a bit lopsided. Check out the divide between the haves and the have-nots of the market. The Vanguard Mega Cap Growth ETF, or the MGK, that's up 38% in the past year. Its biggest holdings, those are names that you know. We're talking Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Alphabet, Tesla, Meanwhile, the S&P Equal Weight ETF, or the RSP, it's up only 11% over the last 12 months. Let's discuss this and the outlook for the markets with Kevin Karen, Senior Portfolio Manager at Washington Crossing Advisors, and Lee Baker, President of Apex Financial, also a member of the CNBC Financial Advisory Council. Gentlemen, it's great to have you here, and good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Um, so, Kevin, I'm going to start off with you. Um, we're looking at right there the disparity between mega cap tech names and the rest of the market. Are you still putting money to work when it comes to mega cap tech in Q4? No, we, we haven't. In fact, if you look at that chart again, what you're going to notice is that since July, the, the mega caps and the average company have actually kind of moved sideways together. And year to date, the average company, as you pointed out, is essentially flat to down. So this, this has been a, a year that has rewarded mega caps, the S&P 500, the way it's currently weighted putting more weight on the larger companies has become much more concentrated, much less diversified. And it's become more difficult for many managers to keep up with that benchmark. But the flip side of it is that when you get that kind of concentration, you tend to have more risk. So for us, we're going to stick with a a more level uh, weighting scheme in what we do and try to manage the risk with greater diversity. So, so Lee, similar question for you. Are, are you. are you more willing at least to put money to work, especially as we've seen bond yields really ease back? Just mentioning a short time ago, the 10-year down about 20, 25 basis points from its high. Uh, frankly, I'm in the same camp with Kevin, uh, at least near term. Uh, we're not looking to add on risk at this point in time. Uh, we're more inclined to uh, keep some, some drier powder. Uh, our clients are telling us, hey, listen, I'd rather take my chances with 5% and, and be a little boring uh, to deal with some of this risk right now. So we're definitely not adding to the uh, equity position right now. 
You know, let's come full circle just for a minute. We were talking about bouncing off the October low of last year. Well, actually, Fundstrat out with a new note talking about a bounce from an October low just a couple days ago. They said in part, this week's advance managed to exceed former August lows at 4336 and has done so on an expansion of breath. Structurally, this is a very good sign and goes a long way towards thinking the lows for October were made last Tuesday. In this case, they're talking about October the 3rd. Uh, Lee, I'm going to come back to you. Do you agree with this technical assessment that we'd had a bounce off of a low and now we're, we're at least set up for a possible rally? I'd say a, a rally's possible. Uh, I just wouldn't bet on it long term. You know, I, I know this is October. Uh, I think we've got a witch's brew of things going on. Uh, there's a lot more that can go wrong right now than I think that can go right. So uh, I, I get it from a technical perspective, but I wouldn't bet on it for the, the long term. Kevin, to you, is, is 4336, do you believe that's an area of support for the markets right now? We just wouldn't look at it that, that short term, but that there are a couple good things that are happening. The data has, by and large, gotten better. The economy is stronger. We look, it looks like bond yields have probably peaked, at least for the near term. You've got inflation data that's coming out later today. We expect as the money supply comes in, that inflation continues to soften as the opposite held true a couple of years ago. The only place that we would say there's a sticking point is if you look at what's called the equity risk premium, that has become very narrow and that could co- cause a, a, something of a headwind to stocks simply because they're competing against higher yielding bonds that are for the first time since we've been publishing long-term capital market expectations Okay. Uh, at least fairly valued, about right. in line with GDP. Growth. So, Kevin, you just mentioned CPI. I'm going to come to you really quick. What are your expectations for CPI and how do you see the market reacting? Yeah, softer. I think the trend has been essentially down. The, it shouldn't come as a surprise unless you get some kind of uh, wildly out of line uh, print. But I think that ultimately the main takeaway is that the thrust of upward rates is now behind us, that we've got rates leveling off to moving lower. And that should be a positive for both bond investors and, and stock investors okay. who are now going to have a better sense of where valuations ultimately sit. So, Lee, same question for you. What are you expecting from today's CPI? How do you see the market reacting? Yeah, I, I expect to see a, a 3%-ish uh, sort of CPI print. Um, I, and again, unless something is wildly divergent from that number, I think it'll be kind of a ho-hum from a, a market perspective. All right. Well, futures are in the green right now. I have to wait and see. Uh, Gentlemen, great to have you both here. Thank you very much for your time and for your insight. All right. We got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, the war between Israel and Hamas enters its sixth day as U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We are live in Tel Aviv coming up. Plus, no sign of a cloud spending slowdown. We speak with one CEO riding the AI-fueled wave. And then later, Microsoft's multi-billion dollar back tax bill. We have a very busy hour still ahead on Worldwide Exchange Return. Stay with us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number. And more about discovering the magic in life. 
At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. U.S. futures solidly in the green. The Dow looks like it would open up just about 100 points higher. The S&P and the Nasdaq both up just about a third of a percent in the pre-market. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day gets underway. Our Arabile Goumide is live in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Arabile, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, so we're actually taking a look at this Asian counters. It seems very weird to say, but actually everything's moved up in positive unison here, especially the Hang Seng Index, which is nearly 2% to the good. And that does come after the, China, the Hong Kong listed shares of Chinese banks then have uh, actually moved a whole lot higher. The sovereign wealth found out of China, then increasing their stake in the big four banks then. So they've all moved 4 to 6% high. That's ICBC, that's the Construction Bank, that's the Bank of China, as well as the Agricultural Bank, all moving uh, a lot higher there. So pushing up the Hang Seng Index, you're seeing that positivity then flow through to the Shanghai Composite, which is 1% to the good. So to the Nikkei out of Japan, 1.75% to the good thus far. Over in Europe, well, we are marking out how things are certainly going to fare on the IPO market. Of course, oil and gas also significantly uh, having been one to kind of look out for. They're actually at the top of the pops when it comes to the stocks that have actually gained across today's counters, including basic resources, which have also headed higher. Telecoms, unfortunately, dipping down. But across the board, you're seeing positivity there. Only the SMI out of Switzerland is maybe a laggard in this respect. Of course, taking a look at the FTSE 100, which is up eight-tenths of a percent. It does come off as well from the UK's GDP numbers for the month of August, coming in at 0.2% meager, but avoiding a recession, having revised downwards the month before then, of course, is uh, CPI, uh, rather growth print there, from 05 to 0.6% decline. So both of those in decline still, but managing a 0.2% growth figure just for the month of August. So some positivity across the board, though, when it comes to the market front. Frank. You can all use, always use some positivity. Arabile, thank you very much. Our Arabile Goumide, live in our London newsroom. All right, now we are turning our attention to a developing story, the war between Israel and Hamas, now in its sixth day. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu joining his political rival to form an emergency wartime government to oversee the response to Hamas and a possible ground assault on Gaza. This, as U.S. officials warn, the number of Americans currently being held hostage or killed in the fighting could rise in the days ahead. Also this morning, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Tel Aviv, scheduled to speak with Netanyahu today. NBC's Kelly Kobiea joins me now live from Tel Aviv with much more on this story. Kelly, over to you. Yeah, good morning, Frank. Well, Israeli uh, fighter jets targeted 450 more sites inside northern Gaza overnight. Just a real uh, pounding there as they went after uh, Hamas elite forces, according to the IDF. They say they hit operation command centers used by operatives who actually took part in this attack on Israel. They say they also hit a senior Hamas 
naval operative overnight. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman uh, saying that uh, these strikes were going to continue, they were going to intensify, and that scenes coming out of Gaza will be difficult to understand and cope with over the days uh, moving forward here. And we've already seen uh, just some really difficult uh, images coming out of Gaza with many, many children wounded at hospitals. Hospitals are overrun there. Uh, there are issues, as we've said before, about uh, power, about fuel. Generators are running out of fuel at the largest hospital in Gaza. Uh, and efforts are still underway to open a humanitarian corridor, according to the White House spokesman, uh, talks between Egypt uh, and Israel and the U.S., but no progress so far, no, no action. Uh, uh, civilians inside Gaza uh, still trapped with no way out. Here in Israel, as you mentioned, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is due in today. He'll have a, a series of meetings uh, here in Israel, uh, as well as just talk about what the situation is with these hostages. We know that there are Americans among uh, the hostages. We don't know how many. The, the White House hasn't specified that. Uh, they've only said that it's a small number, but that that could change. The president was actually pressed on that issue of hostages uh, yesterday. He said that there's a lot that we're doing to bring them home, and he hadn't given up hope. Frank. So, Kelly, we know that the U.S. has not confirmed Iran's involvement in the Hamas strikes, but there are reports the White House is now considering taking action against Iran. Yes, there are reports in several outlets saying that the White House is considering freezing that $6 billion uh, of essentially fuel money. It was money used uh, to buy oil from Iran uh, by North Korea. That money that was part of the hostage exchange, uh, the U.S., potentially considering freezing that money now because of domestic politics, essentially because of uh, the pressure uh, in the U.S. on the president uh, to explain uh, whether or not that money could potentially go to Iran and then fund uh, Hamas. We know that Iran has been a longtime supporter of Hamas. Again, no direct connection has been made between Iran uh, and these attacks. But the link being made is simply the financial support that Iran gives uh, or, or allegedly gives uh, to Hamas. That $6 billion is being held by the Qataris as part of the deal. It is controlled by the Qataris. And as part of the deal, they were to decide uh, what money was spent and how it was spent primarily on humanitarian, um, humanitarian needs. Frank. All right. Kelly Cobiea, live there in Tel Aviv on the ground. Kelly, thank you very much. And also, be safe. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, our special 5% rate week, it rolls on. We speak with the CEO of CNBC disruptor Einride on what growing and spending is like as borrowing rates surge to their highest in decades. We are back with much more Worldwide Exchange after this. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. 
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Despite rising rates and fears of a potential recession, demand for software in the cloud shows no signs of slowing down. So according to a new report, the global distribution software market will grow by $1.35 billion between now and 2027. One company taking advantage of that demand is Braze, outperforming both its cloud computing peers and the broader market, thanks in large part to artificial intelligence. What else? AI is a hot topic for Braze. Executives mentioned it 25 times on the most recent earnings call as it plans to monetize the tech like many other companies and, of course, make those AI products available to customers that include Warner Brothers Discovery, Instacart, Intuit, and DraftKings. Joining me now to discuss demand, AI, and operating in the higher-for-longer environment is Bill Magnuson, CEO of Braze. Bill, it is great to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right, so let's just start there. Uh, rates are at multi-year highs right now. How does that impact your operations? Also, how does that impact demand from your customers? Yeah, so I think there's two things. You know, one, definitely there's a demand for faster payback and you know, more impact to the bottom line. Uh, the other key thing that we're seeing is people just really focusing on retention in the entire customer lifecycle. You know, there's a lot of businesses that I think had leaky buckets in their retention. They would bring new users in and they would lose them at high rates. But they were able to overwhelm that by financing high levels of acquisition spend. I think now that there's scrutiny on acquisition, it's not growth at all costs. You're going back and you're kind of revisiting that leaky bucket, figuring out how to plug the holes, figuring out how to kind of optimize those retention curves and make sure that when you bring a new customer into your environment, you activate them quickly, you make a good first impression, and then you turn that into a long-lasting relationship. You know, Braze has always been very focused on that full customer lifecycle and optimizing it throughout. And an environment like this, where you take a step back and you go look at the full customer lifecycle, has been really positive for us. All right, so right now you're working on monetizing your AI products, including, including Sage AI. So give us a sense. You try to scale up the business. Of course, I, I would assume you have to spend on data centers, um, things like that. In this higher rate environment, how do you manage that? And then how do you just balance the books for a company like yours that's still, in all fairness, not profitable? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, R&D investment has obviously always been a big part of our operating model. And so a large aspect of this is, is really keeping in mind that our software engineering work and, and the amount of investment that we've put into that over our 12-year lifetime um, is one that's actually been focused on AI and ML investment you know, basically the whole time. And so we're continuing a lot of that investment from an infrastructure standpoint in looking at the cost of actually running these AI models. You know, those are places where uh, we've got kind of two aspects of the cost. The first one is the fixed cost that goes into designing campaigns. And, you know, we have uh, our journeys are called canvases, which go through the entirety of the customer lifecycle. And at that stage, you know, when you're really working through a new idea for a campaign, a new way to engage customers, the imagery around that, you know, those get generated once or a handful of times for variants, and then we send them out billions of times. Right. And so the cost there doesn't matter as much as inference actually in the customer journey. And so the latter is where we would be looking to monetize that independently. Got it. Just for clarity for the audience, your products you use for marketers to, to engage customers. Um, I want to talk to you about your guidance. So you raised your guidance last quarter. Uh, the street adjusted its estimates to your guidance. So before you were it's still a loss, in all fairness, I want to make it clear to the audience, you're still um, operating at a loss, but yep. your guidance was higher than what the street had you at. What gave you the confidence to raise your guidance? Was it simply AI demand, or is there some other trend out there that we're not hearing about? Because we keep hearing about the software market being under pressure. Yeah, so I think, you know, in addition to just Braze being able to, be able to operate or offer rapid time to value, which, as I mentioned, you know, in this rates environment is a big priority, the other big thing is technology consolidation. And I think AI and rates actually both have a role to play in this. We obviously have a lot of CFOs and CIOs that are looking at lowering total cost of ownership. And part of that means taking 
taking what in, in many of our customers' uh, software landscape is a siloed approach to communicating with their customers, where they might have four or five different software vendors, depending on whether they're communicating on the web or an email or SMS or WhatsApp, all of which are channels that we offer. Right. We can help consolidate that. The other side of it with AI is that if you're going to really have machine learning drive optimization, you need to have a higher level purview. If you're actually you know, communicating in your software and your data is operating in silos, you can't benefit from having a consolidated perspective. Bill, we got to leave the conversation there. It is great to have you here on Worldwide Exchange. Uh, Brady shares up 75% year to date. Bill Magnuson, thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, how Disney is putting the squeeze on streaming consumers already near their spending limit. Just take a look at today's consumer stat, negative 11.9%. That is city's latest credit card data spending, uh, credit card data on spend or credit card data on spending, yeah. In the first week of October, it's down almost 12% compared with the last week of September. Credit card spending also declined 11% month to month in September. We have much more worldwide exchange coming up after this. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's just a lot more ahead on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. A busy trading day on tap as investors gear up for the latest look at inflation and comments from several Fed chiefs. Futures are pointing to gains at the open. And Republicans tapping Congressman Steve Scalise to be their next House Speaker, but his path to that position still in question ahead of a full floor vote. And our week-long special on managing your money in a world of rising rates, it continues as the CEO of EV transport company Einride lays out the challenges of growing his company in a world of higher for longer. It is Thursday, October the 12th, 2023. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. As always, we pick up a half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. And taking a look, you are seeing green across the board here. It looks like the Dow would open up. Almost 100 points higher, but again, it is early. Investors are gearing up for that big CPI report later this morning, expected to show prices rising 3.6% year over year. That is a slight decline from the previous month. Ahead of that report, we want to check the bond market, taking a look at yields. As always, we begin with the benchmark 10-year at 4.57, down just about 20, 25 basis points from its high of earlier this year. Also looking at the two-year right now. Bumping right up against a 5% yield, something we'll continue to watch. We also want to look at the energy market hitting oil first. WTI, that's the U.S. benchmark right now, trading at 84.35 a barrel, up just over 1%. Brent Crew, the international benchmark, doing a bit better, up one and one-third of a percent at 86.96. Natural gas still down just about 1% right now. We also want to check on gold, hitting its highest level since late last month as investors turn to safe haven assets during the fighting between Israel and Hamas. Taking a look at gold right now, up a third of a percent. You can see down over the last month, but a big upswing in recent days as investors have turned to those safe haven assets. The move higher also giving a boost to gold miners. So far this week, gold fields limited uh, is up 21% week to date. Its biggest gain since March, you can see Harmony Gold up over 19%. Newmont just up just about 4%, underperforming its smaller rivals, you can see right here, but still some gains on the week for the gold miners. Okay, 
That's the U.S. set up now. We're going to want to get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Savannah Hanau, she's back with those. Savannah, over to you. Hey, Frank, I am back. Yeah, well, Caroline Ellison, is you back on the stand today after offering up more dramatic testimony on the collapse of FTX? Ellison blaming FTX founder and former boyfriend Sam Bankman-Fried for corrupting her values and creating justifications so that she could do things she now says were wrong and illegal. Ellison, who became emotional at times during her testimony, says the collapse of FTX and Alameda Research resulted in a, quote, relief that I didn't have to lie anymore. Microsoft revealing it's received a notice from the IRS that it owes nearly $29 billion in back taxes. In a regulatory filing, the tech giant says the issue stems from its profits between countries and jurisdictions between 2004 and 2013. Microsoft adding that $10 billion in taxes it's already paid and are not reflected in the IRS's figure, and it plans to fight the agency's notice. And Disney officially raising prices on its ad-free Disney Plus plan today. The cost of that option jumping from $10.99 to $13.99 a month. Disney also raising the cost of Hulu's ad-free plan by $3 to $17.99. The bumps coming after the company announced yesterday it was raising some ticket prices for its theme parks, Frank. It is getting more and more expensive to watch TV. It certainly is. I mean, now that all these streaming channels are raising prices, it just feels like we should just stay with cable. Uh, that's, I know, yeah. by the way, this company is obviously time? owned by Comcast, but I just, it was a lot simpler. It was just cable. It really was. All right. Silvana, thank you very much. <laughs> you got it. All right, now turning to Capitol Hill and a developing story. House Republicans nominating Congressman Steve Scalise to be their next speaker in a closed-door vote last night, but stopping short of calling for a full-floor vote on the nomination, blaming a small group of holdouts. Our Emily Wilkins joins us now. With much more on this story, Emily, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, yes, Steve Scalise won the House's Republicans' nomination for Speaker yesterday. There was applause in the room. For a moment, it seemed like everyone was happy. And then you started hearing a number of holdouts uh, come out, say they could not back Scalise. They still wanted Jim Jordan or they want other members. And at this point, the House is again in that gridlock. Now, let's break down the numbers here. So during that secret ballot the House Republicans did, Scalise got to 113 votes compared to Jim Jordan's 99 votes. While 113 is a majority of House Republicans, it is well short the 217 that is currently needed to win the Speaker's gavel. So Scalise can really only afford to lose the support of about five Republicans. But so far, about a dozen have said that they will either not support Scalise or that they are still going to vote for Jordan. Meanwhile, uh, Jordan has been trying to get his supporters to unite around Scalise so that the House can get back to work. It's important we're back functioning as a House of Representatives. We need a speaker, and Steve is the guy for that. And I will, uh, like I said, I've offered to give the nominating speech for him um, when we get back in session, which I hope is in. Concerns about Scalise are pretty wide-ranging. Some members, like Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, said Scalise is a continuation of the status quo under Kevin McCarthy and that Americans need a bigger change in leadership. Meanwhile, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene raised concerns about Scalise's health as he is currently battling blood cancer. 
Right now, no member has a path to getting to the needed number of 217 under House rules. That means nothing can be done on Israel, no progress can be made on funding the government ahead of the November 17th deadline, where the current stopgap measure runs out. And Frank, Congress is now facing at the point where they really have to start considering what's going to happen and how they're going to avoid that future shutdown. Yeah, so basically the saga continues. So, Emily, you mentioned there's a small group of holdouts. Any sense of what could satisfy them and get this voting process moving forward? It's a little difficult because all of them have come forward with different concerns at this point. And these wider appeals to unity, to needing to get everyone back on track, to needing the House to be functional again, those just do not seem to be resounding. And remember, the reason that we are in this situation is not because most Republicans were unhappy with Kevin McCarthy and wanted to oust them. It was a very small number. It was only eight that led to our current situation. A lot of folks still want McCarthy there. I mean, at this point, this is the difficulty of governing when the majority has such a small margin to work in that it really only takes a small handful of folks saying we don't want to move forward to completely stop everything. And there's no sense today if we're going to see votes. Um, there's really a lot of question marks about what the next couple days look like. All right, Emily, thank you very much. Our Emily Wilkins live in D.C. Now turning to our week long special on what higher rates mean for the markets, the economy and for your money. Today, we're diving into the impact on corporations and their decisions when it comes to capital expenditure, hiring and growth prospects with borrowing costs at their highest level in decades. Joining me now is Robert Falk, founder and CEO of 2023 CNBC disruptor Einride, a Swedish tech company specializing in EVs and self-driving vehicles, including electric trucks. Robert, good morning. Great to have you back here on the show. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be back. All right, so let's talk about your company. You're right now in the process of trying to scale up and grow. So give us a sense. With rates moving to their highest levels in years, how does that impact your ability to not only grow, but to actually manufacture your flagship vehicle, the Gen 2? That's an electric autonomous freight truck as well as charging stations. I mean, of course, it has a huge impact. But uh, what we are very sound and very positive for us is that we're still seeing customer engagement and a lot of people want to make this transition happen to electric and autonomous. So the customers are keep still investing in the future and want to work with a partner to providing the services like we do. But of course, we have to adapt to this and that's impact our growth plans. We have to reprioritize markets and we have to, uh, so to say, set a different tempo for different markets and how we adopt and scale in the overall um, market. So you say a different tempo. Exactly what does that mean? I mean, when the cost of capital raises, are you just saying it slows you down? Do you have to be more strategic as, a, as opposed to just trying to expand as fast as you can? No, exactly. I mean, what was uh, two years ago, you took any deal. Now you have to look at the margins. You have to find the right setups. You have to be more critical of the attainment terms in each customer installations. That means that we need to up prioritize some markets and down prioritize other markets. And of course, we need to set the right tempo where the underlying okay. profitability of each client is important. All right, so you're a disruptor, which means you are still a private company, at least right now. Um, how is this impacting your ability to raise money? Your last round was back in December of 2022, raised a half a billion dollars. Is it impacting your ability to raise money going forward? Is it also impacting this higher for longer environment? Your thoughts about actually going public? I mean, it's a very tough environment out there. And uh, investors are finding out new things to ask, like uh, underlying margins, profitability, how you can have a stable growth and long-term profitability. 
And for us, that's uh, something we are very comfortable with. Every contract we sign, will be trying to do with a positive margin and control our growth and work with the cash flow. But of course, this has a huge impact in, in how we assess each business and its business opportunity. So right now we're showing some of your customers. They include uh, Pepsi, AB InBev, Marist. These are blue chip customers across the board. Um, so when they're talking about invest, uh, investing in your solutions, not your company necessarily, but your solutions using your yeah. company, what are they telling you just about the CapEx expenditures they may have to have and also the operating expenses they may have to put out? That's one of the strengths from their from uh, our business offer is, of course, that they don't require to do any capex. They're buying a service for us, which means that this transition becomes even smoother for them. Of course, the capex uh, challenge comes on our side. We're glad to work with partners like Barclays, for instance, that can help us do the depth structure that we need and require for operating. But uh, we don't see any slowdown in the customer engagements. On the contrary, what we see is that a lot of people want to see and take both the technology, see that the autonomous and electric is the future, and they're happy to work with us in making that happen. All right, Robert Falk of Einreich, great to have you here once again. Thank you very much. Thank you. All have right, a great up day. Here on Worldwide Exchange, new data shedding some light on the health of the consumer and where rising rates are having a real impact. But first, as we had the break, we got a few of your top trending stories. We begin with who else? Taylor Swift, her box office reign set to start one day early. The singer announcing the Errors movie is offering one day early access screenings in the U.S. and Canada, as well as additional showtimes throughout the weekend due to unprecedented demand. Domino's saving the day one slice at a time. The pizza chain is giving away. Free emergency pizzas just for about any kind of emergency from a burnt dinner to power outages to surprise visits from your in-laws or just a late night craving. Customers will have to use their app and Domino Rewards to take advantage of that deal. And a single ticket holder from California winning the estimated $1.77 billion Powerball jackpot last night. The second largest lottery jackpot on record behind the world record of more than $2 billion last November. Lucky person. Worldwide Exchange. We're back in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with Barclays raising its rating on First Solar. It says the risk reward at this price offers an attractive entry for the solar panel manufacturer. Shares of First Solar up over three and a half percent in the pre-market. We also have A.B. Bernstein raising its rating on Clorox to market perform. It says despite the stock's recent struggles around the fallout of the cyber attack on the company, it expects the impact to be transitory and cannot justify further downside. Shares of Clorox up just over a third of a percent. And Wells Fargo out with a price target increase on Amgen, raising it from 265 to 320 per share. Wells Fargo says Amgen's emerging pipeline gives it more confidence in the biofarm company's long-term growth. Shares of Amgem up a half a percent. And it's time now for your global briefing. We begin with Goldman Sachs reportedly suing Malaysia's government in a U.K. court yesterday, alleging the country violated its obligations to appropriately credit assets during settlement talks over the bank's role in the multi-billion dollar 1MDB corruption scandal. The two sides are currently in disagreement over Goldman's concession to pay $3.9 billion to settle Malaysia's criminal probe. And shares of China's four biggest state banks rising after Beijing's sovereign wealth fund invested more than $63 million into those names. 
the first purchase in nearly eight years. The Sovereign Fund, which is responsible for public financial institutions, will continue to add stakes in the next six months. That's according to filings. Taking a look at shares of those banks, as, you, as we said, moving higher, all of them up over 4%. We're also looking at the price of oil this morning. Take a look right now. You're seeing it's moving higher. The International Energy Agency says in its latest monthly report that oil markets will remain on tender hooks as the Israel-Hamas war unfolds, even though it hasn't had a direct impact on physical, physical supply, at least not yet. The IEA adding it's focusing on the risk to the region's oil flows as events quickly and unexpectedly develop. All right, ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor need, needs to know today. G-Square Private Wealth's Victoria Green. She is here in studio to tee up a critical trading day ahead and why she says markets are facing a huge wall of worry. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It is time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with Hollywood Studios and the SAG-AFTRA Actors Union officially suspending negotiations after the union presented its most recent proposal yesterday, which studios say would cause an untenable economic burden. Sticking with strikes, thousands of Las Vegas workers are set to picket in front of MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment today as they weigh the possibility of a strike. 95% of union members have voted in favor of a walkout. Also, nearly 8,700 United Auto Workers walking off the job at a Ford plant in Kentucky yesterday, a move that Ford says is grossly irresponsible but unsurprising. Also, OpenAI reportedly planning to unveil significant updates, including the addition of memory storage for developers starting next month, making it cheaper and faster to build software applications and AI models. Netflix reportedly set to undergo a major restructure, including layoffs and cuts of two films currently in pre-production. The company is also looking to recruit outside producers to keep up with its animated content volume. We're also watching shares of Birkenstock. Taking a look at Birkenstock this morning, it is well actually up in the pre-market, up almost three quarters of a percent. However, the stock closing down more than 12 percent yesterday after making its public market debut on the New York Stock Exchange. All right, we also have a market flash for you this morning. It's on Illumina. EU regulators ordering the U.S. genetic testing company to sell cancer test maker Grail, saying a divestment must be done within strict deadlines and that Grail must be kept separate and viable until it is sold. Taking a look at shares of Illumina right now, they are flat right here in the U.S. We'll continue to watch that throughout the morning. Here's what we're watching today going forward. We get initial jobless claims and the latest read on CPI ahead of the open. We also get earnings from Delta, Walgreens, and Domino's and fresh Fed speak this afternoon from Atlanta President Raphael Bostic and Boston President Susan Collins. Inflation data, earnings, and new Fed commentary providing plenty of fuel for investors today. Ahead of that CPI rating, we're getting a fresh look at the consumer with the latest MasterCard spending pulse. That data showing restaurant sales were up nearly 12% last month, with online retail sales jumping more than 7%, grocery and apparel remaining the top online performers. Digging deeper into the data, auto parts and airlines also seeing growth while home-related sectors like furniture and furnishings, they pulled back due in part to elevated interest rates. For much more on this, let's bring in Victoria Green, G-Square Private Wealth founding partner and CIO, as well as a CNBC contributor and always, I say, a friend of the show. It is great to have you here. Thanks, Frank. I want to touch on that, that MasterCard spending pulse data in just for a second. Um, it, it kind of spells out that consumers are still winning, still willing to spend on discretionary things, airline tickets, um, going out to eat. What does that tell you about the consumer that we keep saying is stretched and, and maybe pulled a little bit too far? 
I do still think they're stretched. Everybody still wants to go have fun. I think we're still having a little PTSD from the pandemic era. But at some point, you've got student loans coming back on, which the Fed did flag as a potential risk, as well as you have to pay your rent. Everybody still wants to go out to eat, wants to spend on services. Some of that's just it's costing more. And, and so some of the spending is going up, not necessarily because we're getting more goods for what we're spending, but also inflation's pressuring some of that with higher gasoline prices and, and, and higher cost of food. Right. Look at the futures right now. Uh, solidly in the green. Looks like the Dow's going to open up uh, 100 points higher right now. Uh, markets also on a bit of a winning streak. With that in mind, we also have the CPI report coming up later today. Do you expect that to be a market mover or with so much Fed speak out there, do you think investors are more focused on that? Uh, absolutely. CPI is historically a market mover, especially in the bond market as well as equities. But when you look at PPI coming in so hot yesterday, and I know we're looking for, for kind of 3.3 month to month, 3.6, and, and moderated numbers, but they're going to be sticky if it's 0.3 month to month, which is expected. Some are putting it at 0.4 if you look at Cleveland Fed. You're going to have some problems there with that's a 3.6, 3.8 annualized rate. That's still too high. So I'm a little worried it might come in a little hot and derail this just because what PPI came in yesterday, that was a pretty big shocking number. All right. So with that worry in mind, Vicky, I don't know you to be worried very often, but with that worry in mind, what is your WEX word of the day? My WEX word of the day today is epic. And I'm thinking like geologic time. Remember, you had like eras, eons and epics. The Fed finally acknowledged they had the balance risk. So I'm calling this as a new era, a new epic in the world that the Fed is moving to pause from higher. Everybody's starting to talk about we may be at peak rates. Fed speak has been a little bit more dovish that we might be here. And, and, it, and that with what you have geopolitically going on right now, I think we have moved into the epic of the Fed pause. A Fed pause. So you have a lot of confidence in that. So I'm assuming you think in a Fed pause would give a boost to the markets. It should. I mean, historically, they last about 10 months before the, the cut. And so I do think you could see an uplift here through the end, see your Santa Claus out rally, your end rally. You've got technicals that are really supportive of the market. 200-day moving average held nicely, 4,200 held nicely. And the market has, has absolutely ignored macro and geopolitical risks for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So even though this is such a tragic period we're in right now, the market has shown resiliency and ability to climb this wall of worry. And so we think it could actually... Actually, I'd rally out your end. All right. What about that wall of worry? I want to bounce something else off of you. A year ago today, we, the markets, uh, the S&P hit 3577. We've bounced more than 20 percent since then. Um, we also got a new note from Fundstrat overnight. They actually talk about another bounce for this October. They say this week's advance managed to exceed former August lows at 4336 and has done so on an expansion of breath. Structurally, this is a very good sign and goes a long ways towards thinking. The lows for October were made last Tuesday. In this case, the referencing October the 3rd. Do you think that we found a level of support at 43.36 and even if it's not a big rally, we're going to move upside from here. You could, absolutely. And short of a bad event, which I will point out, October does not have a good reputation. There have been multiple horrible events in October that have derailed nice market rallies in the past. But right now, all points show that it could absolutely rally back to the 4,600. I think they've got a, what, 48, 25-year-end target. Oppenheimer's at 4,900. you got a lot of people out there that see a little legs to this market. All right. I want to get to your picks right now. Both of your picks report their earnings tomorrow. We're talking J.P. Morgan and United Health. Why would you buy these stocks today? Okay, first off, who doesn't like J.P. Morgan? Of the financials, they're the strongest out there. I see that what they've done with First Republic, it's supposed to add to their balance sheet. Jamie Dimon's a fantastic CEO. I think if you're looking at financials, you want the safest port in the storm. Absolutely hands down, J.P. Morgan. United Health, historically, Q3 has been really, really good for them. They typically provide their 2024 guidance. And at last six of eight Q3s, they've outperformed the S&P 500 handily. And so I look at United Health. I think the, the cost pressures that they 
they've seen are priced in. I love Optum, Optum RX. They've got great positioning in both the private sector as well as Medicare Advantage and less exposure to Medicaid. Of all the managed care options out there, they're extremely strong. And Q3 has historically been a very good release for them. All right, something to watch. Victoria Green's pick. J.P. Morgan United Health is really great to have you here. Thanks, Frank. All right, one quick look at the futures right now. As we mentioned, they've been in the green all morning long. Looks like the Dow would open up about 120 points higher right now. That's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.